Sinclair Broadcast Group's proposed $3.9 billion deal to purchase Tribune Media is awaiting FCC approval, which it will likely get in 2018, though a lot of work remains to be done. Sinclair's request for FCC approval is opposed by DISH, small cable systems, and public interest groups, and some House Democrats are demanding answers from the FCC about what they say is possibly preferential treatment for Sinclair. Joining me from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington, Washington, D.C., is Bloomberg litigation analyst Matt Schettenhelm. Matt, will you map out the path for Sinclair getting approval for its Tribune purchase? Sure, sure, June. I'd be happy to. So, so there's really two two elements to uh, Sinclair getting this approved now. First, as you said, that it, it's proceeding at the FCC. They filed their application at the FCC seeking approval uh, there in late June, and the FCC tries to act on these these things in in 180 days. Now it doesn't always stick to that, but that would 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 put this. Uh, you you would look at a, a possible approval time probably in early 2018 from from the agency and right now what you see at the agency is 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 as you said these other parties coming in and filing oppositions and and telling the FCC why it shouldn't approve the other angle is uh, the antitrust authorities at the Department of Justice are also looking at this and they will look at uh, whether whether it passes muster under the antitrust laws so why do DISH, small cable operators, and public interest groups, and even some conservative media outlets oppose the deal? Sure. So I think there, there's two main reasons that the opposition presents as to why the, the FCC shouldn't approve this deal. So, so Sinclair builds its business around using public broadcast spectrum. And historically, um, uh, you know, not just anyone can get into that business. You have to get in a, a license from the FCC. And we, we, since spectrum is scarce, the FCC attaches conditions to that so that you'll, 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 you'll serve the public interest in some ways. And, th- and what the public interest groups and, and DISH and, and others have said here is there's a real concern that that letting Sinclair grow this much larger won't be in the public interest and it isn't something we should allow with, with our public spectrum. And they say that really for two reasons. One, there's a, there's a concern that they're not going to be focused on local markets in the same way, uh, that, that they're going to focus on growing as large as they can on a national basis sending out national stories to local affiliates and local news, which has sort of been the the bread and butter of of, uh, local TV, uh, the public interest obligation, might get undermined in the process. The second piece of it is that a company like DISH has to pay the broadcast TV stations to carry uh, that network on its pay TV outlet. If you subscribe to Dish, if you want to, if you want to be able to see the the local broadcast news on your your Dish subscription, Dish has to pay for it. And Dish and other small cable operators are concerned that if Sinclair gets this big, it's going to have so much leverage that costs are inevitably going to go up. And there are caps on how many households a single broadcast entity can reach. Will you explain those briefly and how Sinclair is getting around them? Sure. So one of the interesting things about this deal is that before Donald Trump became the president, there's no way this deal could have happened. And that's because of these existing media ownership caps that that limits uh, a company like Sinclair to only reaching 39 percent of U.S. households. 
What this deal does is it lets Sinclair reach over 70% of U.S. households. Now, the only way they can get that is, is, is that in May, the new Republican FCC changed the math for how you calculate which households you reach. Now, even with that change, Sinclair still violates uh, the limit. It's still over 39%, and it's over by about 6%. So there, there's still an issue there, and there's an issue that, that another FCC rule limits, to, limits you to not own multiple stations in local markets. Sinclair has about 10 markets, if this deal goes through, where that, that, that would, they would, it would run afoul of that rule. And so in both cases, Sinclair hasn't told us exactly how it's going to get around that. But I think a likely path is that the FCC is going to have to look at that and grant a waiver uh, and to allow the company to go forward with with uh, owning so many stations that still continue to to violate existing law. Well, won't there be a lot of litigation over this? Yeah. So there, there surely will. And there already is. When when the FCC changed the math in in April on counting that 39 percent, uh, lawsuits were filed by public interest groups. But what's what's important, though, for this deal is that anytime the FCC changes its rules, the normal practice is that the rule takes effect immediately, and then it takes like a year, maybe sometimes two years, to litigate whether the FCC could change the rule like that. And so that's what's happening with the, the change in the math, and I suspect it will happen with these other aspects that, that, that Sinclair still violates. The FCC may be changing those rules. Those will be litigated, but that takes time. And in the meantime, Sinclair can go ahead, close on this deal, and, and say, we'll worry about that later if we have to. What's your reaction to three House Democrats sent a letter to the FCC chair saying that as the largest owner of television broadcast stations in the country, Sinclair had expanded to the limits of the FCC ownership rules. We hope this letter will serve as an opportunity to respond to reports suggesting you failed to exercise adequate independence as FCC chair and you may that may have resulted in the agency giving unusual and possibly preferential treatment to Sinclair. That sounds like a like a, a really tough charge. Sure, and 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 I think that's that's something that has been raised that 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 uh, Ajit Pai, the new FCC chairman, um, seems to uh, have have enacted policies that are that that really allowed this deal to go through in a way that it wouldn't before. The truth of it, though, is that this is these are kind of long-standing positions that 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 Ajit Pai has has been um, pushing, and so I think I think it's probably. Uh, I think it's probably being being true and honest when he says they, this isn't about one particular company. This is about my my um, truly felt beliefs that that these rules were were adopted in this in you know 20, 30, 40 years ago, and in this new world of competition from the internet and from cable TV, they really don't make as much sense as as, as they once did. Matt, just briefly. If the litigation, let's say the the other groups win against uh, against the FCC, but Sinclair Deal has already gone through and they have those stations, do they have to turn those stations over, sell them, or are they allowed to keep them? So that's going to be a very interesting question. If the FCC loses some of these lawsuits, as it might, and and I think you know there, there's certainly going to to be pressure on the company to divest those stations at that point. What we don't know though is how aggressively this FCC, controlled by Republicans, would enforce those limits. It has a practice historically of granting waivers and saying, okay, do it in two years. 
years, and then they come back two years later and they grant another waiver. And so uh, maybe so so th there's the potential that that threat comes along, especially after a change into the next administration if it goes back Democrat. All right, we'll have to leave it there. Fascinating. That's Bloomberg litigation analyst Matt Shettelhelm. And uh, if you want to read more of his analysis, go to BI Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. Thanks to our producer David Sutcherman and our technical director Charlie Vollmer. I'm June Grosso. Coming up next, Bloomberg Markets with Corey Johnson and guest host Caroline Hyde. This is Bloomberg. <laughs>